Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. doesn't stop happening on Fridays with News Talk Radio at its weekend best. The Roy Green Show delivers on the Chorus Radio Network. You can follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show and send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com Webpage is RoyGreenShow.com and like us on Facebook. Roy Green Show. All right, so the Gomeshi trial starts Monday, and we've been talking about the issue of sexual harassment and um, sexual assault and trials and public perception and legal realities and the influence of social media with Jeff Manishin, criminal lawyer, and um, Barb Kay from the National Post. Now, what about the workplace environment? What about the, the rules in the workplace environment when it comes to sexual harassment, even sexual assault, what is it that constitutes sexual harassment and assault? And, and how does that apply to the employer and the employee? Talk to us that about with uh, Lior Samfiro. He's an employment law specialist at Samfiro to Mark and LLP in Toronto. And we always like to talk to Lior about issues, that, anything that has to do with the workplace. Lior, this is going to be one that not only has been talked about, but it's, again, going to, as I said in our last segment, dominate conversation at the dinner table, um, on, on social media, uh, just between people in conversation, what happens in the, um, in the Gomeshi trial starting on Monday. Take us inside the workplace, please, and what are the fundamental rules that have to be followed by law, by the employer, and by employees? What can you, what can you not do, what constitutes sexual harassment? Well, thank you, Roy. Uh, first of all, great to be back uh, here with you. And certainly sexual harassment is the type of issue uh, that, that comes, comes up a lot. And one would think that this day and age, uh, in the age of you know, reading in the media about various incidents, people should really know what's acceptable and what's not and, and draw the line. Uh, unfortunately, in my experience, uh, I have the, uh, uh, the, the experience dealing with the, these issues from the employer and the employee side, these issues come up all the time. And the law, the, the law itself and the rules themselves are not very complicated. Uh, employers have to protect, have the, the uh, legal duty to actively protect employees from the type of conduct that would be unacceptable and unwelcome, whether that conduct is by a supervisor, by a coworker. And even if that conduct occurs outside of the workplace, as long as it could interfere with the workplace. So uh, conduct between employees uh, after work at drinks or on a business trip is the type of conduct and also trigger obligations on, uh, on employers. 
uh, an employer has to protect an employee, uh, has to investigate any uh, allegations uh, immediately and objectively, even if it means bringing an outside party, and take immediate and decisive action whenever it determines that someone engaged in improper conduct. And for employers, other than the fact that you, 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 you have the legal obligation to do that, then it's a strict one, they really should want to do these things simply because for an employer that's facing a, uh, you know, epidemic or a sexual harassment issue in the workplace, they're going to face low morale, absenteeism in the workplace, increased health care costs. So it can really uh, harm and bring down a business. So I am still surprised and uh, very often amazed that employers don't act on it as they should, uh, and they almost take the attitude, you know, boys will be boys which I think in this day and age is completely unacceptable. So you see, you still see that the, the old boys will be boys attitude. Now, is there, a, is there a perceived gray area in how you can behave and how you can't behave and what the rules are and what, what the rules aren't? I mean, do, do employers, clearly they have the responsibility to explain to their employees what, what, the, what the rules are and what the law is. You've just told us that. But yeah. is, there, is, there, is there just a general... I mean, is there any gray area left at all, Lior? Yeah, there is gray area. I know. I mean, let me give you an example. I uh, uh, have a female colleague, and I congratulate her uh, on how, uh, how good she looks today. Now, uh, is that sexual harassment? Well, that may not be. But if every day I make a point to tell her uh, how good she looks, or if I don't think she looks good one day, I say, well, you don't look as good today as you did yesterday, I'm crossing the line. And oftentimes, uh, you know, an employer may be left, trying to determine whether or not what's transpired does cross the line or is it, uh, you know, or is it on the right side of the, of the line. What employers should do, uh, and in fact nowadays, certainly in Ontario and in many other provinces, have to do is they have to have proper policies in place uh, about what's considered sexual harassment, what's considered unwelcome and uh, uh, unacceptable conduct, and they have to train people on that. And in fact, in many cases, a good employer and a proactive employer is going to bring, bring professionals in the workplace to, to provide some training and make sure that employees know what's expected of them. Because you could potentially have an employee that doesn't really understand, maybe an old school, quote unquote, uh, individual who may think their conduct is fine. They don't really mean anything by it. But at law, that conduct still crosses the line. And ultimately, both that individual and the employer may be held liable, even though there may not have been an illicit intention there. So really, ignorance is never an excuse here. And this is one area where employers have to take this uh, issue head on, be very proactive. And you know, usually by the time problems arise, uh, it may be too late. So really, proactive uh, is the key word. When does uh, when does a lawyer get involved um, in a situation in the workplace? If, for example, the uh, the employer says to the employees, "These are the rules we have to live by. These are the laws. This is the understanding. This is also our company expectation of respect for the other people who work in this in this environment. You will live by these rules." So you might have person A saying, "Well, I, I I'm living within the rules as I understand them," and person B says, "But I feel offended by what you did." What then? Yeah, well, and, and is that really, when you get involved? Yeah, well, for some reason, on behalf of the employee, uh, I get involved usually where when they've gone through the usual channels, uh, spoken with their employer with HR, and, and have not obtained the satisfactory result, and I would 
get involved and, and see if I, I, I think that the conduct is inappropriate, and then either get involved in discussing this matter with the, uh, with the employer or potentially take legal action through uh, the courts of the Human Rights Tribunal. Uh, on behalf of the employer, what I tell my employer clients is certainly if you're uh, being faced with uh, a complaint, uh, if you're not sure, you know, if someone's crossed the line, call me. And, and, and lawyers can provide some helpful information and insight because we know how the courts have interpreted certain conduct and what's considered, you know, on the right side of the line and what isn't. Uh, the other remedy that's available to employees often when they're facing that situation, when there's really no recourse to be had within the workplace, uh, is this concept of constructive dismissal. Simply put, there's an implied term in everyone's employment uh, arrangement that we're going to work in a supportive uh, and a healthy work environment, one where we're not subject to harassment. So where that condition gets breached, whether or not the employer meant it to happen or not, the employee can say, wait a second, I'm no longer bound by this employment relationship. I can treat myself as being terminated and pursue my termination entitlements uh, in addition to any human rights uh, um, uh, entitlements that I may have. So oftentimes you see legal action pertaining to constructive dismissal as a result of a poison work environment triggered by harassment. How do you expect the Gomeshi trial in all of the conversation that's gone on before about what happened in that workplace. And I'm not, clearly we're not prejudging him. Uh, we can't do that. He's innocent until otherwise proven in, in a court of law. Uh, but how do you expect that particular trial to impact on the whole issue of workplace relationships, the whole issue of what, what is and what is not considered to be uh, agreeable, acceptable interaction? I think that uh, what I've noticed certainly that Given the publicity that uh, Mr. Gomeshi's uh, situation uh, has received, that it really has brought the issue to the fore. And a lot of smaller employers, employers that may not have the sophisticated HR function or legal function as part of the organization, are now becoming aware that this is a real issue. This is a real issue that impacts them and, and could cause them liability. So I think that attention, the fact that it made people aware of, uh, of these issues, is a very good thing, and only good can come of it. The other thing I can say is that uh, it, what I expect may, may happen if certainly if Mr. Gomeshi's uh, uh, allegations or allegations against him are deemed to be correct is that employers are going to always be, uh, be faced with an obligation to, to investigate. And even if, you know, if, if the, their star pupils are being accused, oftentimes what I've seen in many situations where uh, you know, someone in, in a higher position, someone that the employer likes very much is the one that's being accused or fingers are pointed uh, at that person. The employer may be more inclined to turn a blind eye. I think with the Gomeshi situation, with him being the, the shining star uh, of, uh, of the CBC at that time, I really think that employers are probably going to learn that that's no, no excuse. You cannot avert a blind eye. Okay. And ultimately, I think that's a good thing for everyone. Lior, always good talking to you. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roy. Lior Samfiru, and uh, employment law specialist at Samfiru to Mark and LLP in Toronto. We'll come back, and you're going to hear an amazing story. It was a guy doing 110 years in prison. It was the second biggest Ponzi scheme in history, and it involved a Canadian bank and an American investor, and it'll be on Global TV tonight. Stay with us.